0: Hello and welcome to Cloud Automation Weekly. My name is Thorsten Höger and I'm here to talk about automating your AWS Cloud infrastructure. Today I'm joined by Michael Barr to talk about automated dependency management. Michael, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: For folks who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Yes. um, I started developing professionally around 2015, starting my career as a freelance developer, doing mostly Java backends for larger German companies where I also currently live. And over the time, explored a bit more hobby projects, tried to find something new and eventually stumbled onto serverless stuff. And from there, um, eventually started building some larger projects like the serverless scheduler. And with that, landed a job at AWS in Berlin, where I've been over the last two or three years during the pandemic. And earlier this year, I joined Steady, which is focusing on building developer tools for EDI.
0: Yeah, sounds perfect. So as I already mentioned, we're talking about automated dependency management. As you said, you you provided a lot of tools. You, you've written some tools, um, you're now working on tools and dependency management is always um, a very big thing because if you don't mm. update your dependencies, you, yeah, you're outdated. If you just go to the latest, whenever you find a new version, it might break. So I think there's always something you want to be the latest possible version of all your dependencies, but you also want to make sure that it still works.
1: Exactly, so. and you don't want to break production in the middle of the night because you upgraded some patch version here and there.
0: Exactly. So, and I think that's so our, yeah, our starting point where you started with your journey on dependency management. And now I'm curious to hear what you did and how you solved these yeah, obstacles.
1: Yes. So I think like many of other developers out there, I made the experience over the years that either you are in the camp that fully automates the dependency upgrades, or you end up upgrading, let's say your Java runtime, when you realize, oh, we've been, uh, end of support was six months ago, or when AWS tells you, hey, we're going to deprecate node 12 and you need to upgrade. And at Steady, we tried pushing that a bit further because we believe that we want to remove all toil possible. So we'd have as a little human work that we need to do in our software so we can focus our time on other things. And that also warrants a bit of research and a bit of diving deep on things like dependency automation. So we set out for the quest to figure out, hey, how far can can we drive dependency automation here? And with dependency automation, I mean, we have, for example, a bunch of uh, node, TypeScript, NPM packages where I think one repository I've seen recently, we had like 150 dependencies. And as a human trying to work on three or four repositories or being responsible for them, that's a bit too much to manually scan. Like you'll need one or two days per week doing that. And what if we can just fully automate that? And many of you are probably going to say, oh, there's DependerBot, we can just use that. And that's also been one of the first tools we looked at. So we investigated DependerBot a bit, we investigated Sneak, we looked at Renovate, we looked at other tools like Mergeify to come up with a good set of tools that allow us to automate this as far as possible while not adding additional maintenance work on our side. So we talked you mentioned earlier or we talked about me enjoying building tools. However, that is an area where if possible I would just like to use something that is working that someone else already built. So starting with depender bot, um, it works great. You get pull requests for each dependency that has a new release. There's one issue though, those pull requests come in immediately. So let's say you have a package called leftpad and accidentally you lose your credentials. Someone else takes over, publishes a new version that starts Bitcoin mining on my Lambda function. I don't really want that to go in immediately. So, what I could do is either I check all those repositories, I have automated checks scanning for security, I have a dedicated security team that validates all those open source projects coming in. But as a small startup, you might not have the resources to do that. I can imagine Microsoft or Amazon having something like that. But if you're just, let's say, 50 to 100 people, you can't dedicate a whole team to that. So, we thought, hmm, getting those upgrades immediately is maybe a bit too fast. You could then also say, okay, I just let them sit until they are two weeks old, but then you end up with a repository that has 200 pending pull requests. And I'm not sure if that's the noise you want either. So from there we got to Snyk, which has a default 21 days limit before it will send you any pull request. So let's say we have the AWS SDK where there has been a new version published 20 days ago. You're not going to get that released just yet, but only when it crosses the 21 days mark. And that is quite nice to have because AWS SDK, I don't think they will be hijacked, but what happens if any other commonly used npm package, which is used by another dependency of your dependencies, gets hijacked? You don't want to have that immediately, but giving the community like three weeks to react before you do the upgrade, That's probably a solid amount of time to wait. Um, Unfortunately then, Snyk um, is not able to scan internal registries. Let's say you have your own packages internally, like a design system or some components you use in your websites, unless you're on the enterprise plan. And that's a decision you need to make there if you want to pay that additional sum, or if you're okay with not scanning internal registries, or if there's another tool that can handle this for you. And that's where we stumbled on Renovate, which I really, really like this tool. It has so many configuration options. It is able to place a centralized config that other repositories can extend from. So what we were able to do there is say, we want to wait 21 days with all dependencies, but there are some dependencies that we trust a bit more. So we want to merge them in earlier. For example, the AWS SDK, we say we're going to merge in or we want to receive upgrades for AWS SDK, for example, three days after new version is published. And then we go a step further with internal packages where we say, hey, we trust our own developers here. We're going to merge those as soon as possible. So we eventually landed on Renovate because of its level of configuration that we can apply and also that we can place one centralized config that other teams have good defaults to extend from. And then they're able to adjust those uh, those rules and configurations if they want to. And that's how we currently get fully automated pull requests coming into our repositories.
0: And yeah, it sounds like a really, really cool and elaborate um, workflow. Um, so I tried some of these things also. So I'm using Snake. I'm using Dependabot and Renovate and all the things, um, but not in a scale um, or at, at a scale that you are. Um, just asking, is there an easy way to get a lot of updates in one pull request? Because what I always disliked in like Dependabot or things like yeah, it's opening twenty pull requests with with twenty dependencies, and sometimes they are intertwined. So I only want all of the updates or nothing. Especially okay, it's a little bit better now. But talking about CDK version one, mm-hmm. it was like okay, all my CDK dependencies need to be updated at the same time. It's not fine to have 40 pull requests with all the modules one at a time. So is there a way to say, okay, do all the updates in one run?
1: Um, I wouldn't advise for making all the updates in one run. But Renovate has yet another configuration option that allows you to bundle pull requests or dependency upgrades by a pattern. So you could say all pull requests that come in for the AWS CDK, bundle them into one pull request and then you just need to run that once, you can upgrade them in tandem. We're doing that, for example, for AWS CDK or for upgrades that revolve around React and Jest that should go up in tandem. And we've configured it so far that we are getting, by default, um, upgrades for patch versions and minor versions, while renovates, we've set it up to split out major upgrades into its own dependency dashboard. Where you would, for example, in your weekly ops review, go over and see, okay, how many outstanding major upgrades do we have? How many do we want to tackle this week? Because they tend to be a little bit more work intensive than all the small patch and minor upgrades, usually because that's where you find breaking changes.
0: Yeah, that sounds perfect. Um, Did you also look into okay, it's not about the, the 21 days thing, but did you look into just running like yarn upgrade or yarn update or npm npm update?
1: I have to admit, I didn't. Um, and I don't have too much experience with that yet. Maybe you can loop me in on how you would use yeah. that.
0: So NPM itself, um, or Yarn, has the option to just run an update. So it's looking for all your dependencies, looking up the registries, if there's a newer version, putting everything to, to the newest version in one go. So mm. all your dependencies. You can exclude something, and, but, but you can, just say, run upgrade on everything you get a new version and then you create a pull request out of this. That's for example, what Progen is doing um, in the background. so Progen the project or yeah, software project development uh, management tool that's managing your project for you is mm-hmm. using automated NPM update runs um, for the daily or weekly uh, bumping of versions. Okay. Um, yeah, I
1: can say that at least I didn't look into a Yarn upgrade, but one thing you mentioned is that it would upgrade all things in one go. Doing that weekly, we explored that option with other tooling as well, where we would have a batch of upgrades for, let's say, ten different dependencies. That, for example, our on-call engineer would look into on a Monday, make sure that works, and get it in. Um, With our current approach at Steady, we drive that a bit further towards making many small upgrades. Um, That is mostly possible because we have quite a high confidence in our pipelines and our tests running that. So we recently updated to even merge things during the middle of the night and haven't run into problems with getting paged at night because something breaks yet. Fingers crossed that won't happen. Um, Yeah, but our focus was on having very small upgrades that we can iterate better on and isolate out which thing actually broke something.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a good thing. And I definitely want to tackle uh, the testing part because that's, yeah, that's vital. If you don't do automated testing, you should not do automated mm-hmm. upgrades. Yes. Um, but how do you only handle like end products or only also libraries? So I assume if you do a library and you have all these small upgrades and every commit triggers a new release of your library, you're getting like, yeah, we released version 1.5.300. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that's also what we're seeing a bit with Progen. That's, From there, I'm seeing most pull request upgrades coming through because they're patching their versions as well. Um, We didn't go too deep into that internally because if we automate all the pull requests for our internal libraries at least, we won't really see if there are more upgrades or less because ideally they all go through automatically unless they're breaking changes or major upgrades. Uh, When it comes to external libraries, I think we still have, depending on the team's preferences, some safeguards to say we want to bundle a bunch of upgrades into a new version or not. But that's currently a decision of each team that would publish a library.
0: Yeah, because I I can imagine having this might confuse users of your library if Every night there are 10 new releases of your library. And it's like, what the hell are they doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Maybe if you have a lot of patch upgrades coming through, maybe bundle that uh, once a day, depending, of course, on how critical those patches are. If it's something like, oh, we had a typo in one of the log messages, not too bad. Um, but something like security upgrades, m- rather get them out early. So other customers who have also updated their dependency could just have those security upgrades immediately i want to loop back to one thing here is that for security upgrades we decided to fully use dependerbot because we're going to get those upgrades immediately dependerbot has quite a large quite a good database on security upgrades so with dependerbot we've configured it to give us only security upgrades and those go in immediately
0: okay so the multiple tools and multiple levels of of Urgency like dependencies that are security relevant and critical go in immediately. Trusted libraries go in like in a two, three day mm. um cadence and everything else is like three weeks.
1: Yeah. It's really a big question of which packages or which data sources do you trust to which degree. Um If I were Amazon, I would probably not rely on or trust Dependabot, which comes from another major company too much, but rather have my internal tooling for that. Um, But as as someone who's running their many CI workloads also on GitHub and then deploying to AWS eventually, it's probably a safe bet to say if Dependabot marks something as a security vulnerability that we should trust them.
0: Yeah, and for security, there's always this um, discussion is it's better to not patch or break the application. So maybe breaking the application is better than having a running application that has a big vulnerability that could be used by some attacker. That's, so... that's an
1: interesting question. Like, would I rather stop my application or have it exploited? Um, ideally, probably you catch those breaks breaking things in your pipeline. So what my team currently has set up, we are managing a website that helps people who work with EDI understand better what is going on there, drill into the data, see what kind of messages, codes, and so on there are. And we've set up our pipeline that on pull request, it deploys to a preview instance, it runs all the E2E tests. We're using Cypress currently to paralyze that onto seven workers or so, so that things go rather quickly. And then once it goes into main, we deploy onto a preview instance, run all of those tests again, and then finally deploy it to main. So we have some degree of confidence that our application won't be broken. And if one of those steps fails, we get notified as well. So we can quickly look into it and say, okay, this maybe has been a flaky test. We just rerun that, or we actually see, oh, there has been a breaking change in a patch version. So we need to fix something.
0: Yeah, that's what I wanted to come back to testing is vital. So if you don't test, you should not just run depend about renovate whatever and say yeah fingers crossed it it will work and so
1: yeah i would recommend having a good suite and a good amount of confidence in your test that's really something worth investing in um and it's going to help you no matter if you then end up automating your dependencies or not
0: yeah yeah that sounds really really interesting um so it's it's about a database why you didn't pick Renovate also for the immediate things, because I think Renovate could also say security things go in immediately.
1: Oh, I, I don't fully recall that right now, but I think we've seen that DependerBot security upgrades were faster to arrive in our pull requests. Um, I would have to get back to you on that, on why exactly we didn't let Renovate upgrades, security upgrades. I'm not sure if there wasn't a rule that wasn't pa- able to handle that. Um, but yeah, so at the current stage, we have DependerBot to send us security relevant upgrades immediately, and then all the other upgrades go through Renovate. So we get those pull requests, and then we have yet another bot to merge those in.
0: I think it could also be, um, especially for security related stuff, a good idea to have DependerBot updated immediately. And if Dependabot doesn't catch something, as an update renovate will do it so so you, you would have been you would have both that, that could also be a vital thing so if two tools two tools double the chance that you find a security mm-hmm. relevant
1: as long as we don't lag six months behind yeah there's some degree of confidence that our software is up to date and we won't have two big problems when it comes to eventual upgrades i recall one dedicated effort from like six or seven years ago when I was working for a larger automotive company where we had to upgrade from Java 8 to Java 9. And that took three teams, like two or three weeks of work to make sure everything's working and upgraded to work with the latest runtime. And ideally, if you're in a fast-paced situation where market could change, you discover new products that you want to build. You want to have all of that automated or at least the work gone already. So you can focus on what really matters in that moment. And looping back on the issue of security, um, many developers are probably familiar with this uh, four eyes principle when you have a pull request and you want to merge that in that one developer creates it, another one reviews it, which kind of also applies to automated pull requests. But there's this problem If I want to fully automate my pull request, either I automate it or I have humans interacting with it. And we looked into a bunch of compliance standards, and there's this one compliance standard called SOC2, which requires that there are two actors on a pull request. And actors, luckily, doesn't mean it has to be humans, but it can be two separate bots that can't influence each other as well. So... I've described the setup, we have Dependabot or Renovate sending us pull requests, where they suggest, hey, you should do this upgrade. And then we're using another bot called Mergeify, which has a very nice, um, again, rule set matching and nice tools to see these rules that I'm currently writing, would they apply to this pull request, which can approve pull requests and merge them in. And that's how we found a solution where we can fully automate a certain set of dependencies while still being compliant with best practices
0: yeah that's perfect advice because yeah i'm currently working with, with a lot of companies in the regulated environment and doing security consulting in this space and it's always this yeah but but the rules say and then it's always okay let's look at the rules and not what people interpreted into the rules and then if you look into the rules and see and that's a really good catch say yeah it's two actors computer is not one actor it could be two processes on a computer two actors or two products in this case so it it doesn't mean if one is a bot the other could be a bot so that's a really good thing to to read the standard and not to yet that has been done like this before but that's what what the standard says and that's what what you're doing here
1: yeah i believe that and the topic around I don't recall right now. I'll get to it again. Um, but this question of can we fully automate it, or do we have to have humans involved? That's one of the major pushbacks or questions you're going to face if you propose that at your company. Um, or this other topic of how quickly do I want to merge things in, or I will, I might face supply chain attacks. Or yet again, this question of how well. Um, How good are my tests? How well is my pipeline set up? I think if you're able to address those three areas, you should be in a very good spot to propose full dependency automation at your company.
0: Yeah, and I think it's an interesting thing because it's, it's not conflicting departments. It's the same department. Normally security, which is doing updates on, on your dependencies and security or regulation on we need to have four ice principles, change management and so on is the same department so now they have to do this internally this discussion (laughs) and it's not like you have to fight with two uh, different um requirements as a developer and say yeah but there are two departments telling me different requirements what should i do it's like yeah it's the same department you have two conflicting requirements figure it out and come back to me
1: Yeah, I also have to say that at Steady we're in a very lucky, uh, very comfortable position that we have our toolchain set up so much that we own both the development and the operations side per team. It hasn't been always the case with other projects we've been at. So having a bunch of nightly dependency upgrade deployments right into production is probably not the industry standard yet, even though it would be nice to have. And I recall stories from colleagues um, being three or four days at the customer in their data center to run upgrades two or three times a year. You might not get this full dependency automation right into production if you're in such a setup, but you could still use it for your internal software while you develop in this two or three month cycle that you have all your tests running, for example, even more at night when you're not working, if you're not deploying to production so that you come back the next morning and you see ah we have eight successful upgrades we have one that failed that's where i need to look into
0: yeah and then you have always the, the latest version you develop against and you don't it's, it's like one week before your quarterly release it's like oh we need to do upgrades everything breaks
1: <laughs> yeah that's not going to be a lovely situation so even if you are in a setup where you have a rather slow process to bring your software deployables into production You can use that process ahead of time to stay up-to-date, but it really helps if you have the whole chain in your hands that you can, over time, gain enough confidence that things are working as expected. So also when we started introducing this dependency automation, we started quite small on just one repository with a lot of safeguards, sometimes having mergeify approve the pull request but as humans still looking into it if there's anything that smells or sounds a bit weird until we said okay it looks all fine it has worked so well over the last two weeks we're adding another step of automation and then two or three weeks ago we said yeah we do have this schedule here that tells Mergeify to only merge in a pull request during our working hours let's just get rid of it because we've seen that it has been very reliable. The only thing that might have failed are some flaky end-to-end tests. And so far it's been working well. So you can start on a rather small scale where you have the whole setup of the dependency automation, but you disable certain pieces until you gained enough confidence. And if you do that on a... On one of your repositories, you eventually have good data and a case to roll that out onto other repositories, and I think at Steady we currently have it automating pull requests on nearly a hundred repositories.
0: Yeah, that, that's an impressive number. It, it, it's a scale. Yeah, that's what I'm always telling customers for CI/CD pipelines. Like, yeah, we cannot go into production without human approval. That's fine. Let's build a CI/CD pipeline and add a manual step. Okay, it's it's deploying everything. You have to manually click on okay. And then it's doing the rest automated. You still can automate your pipeline with a manual approval step in the middle. But the deployment itself is happening manually and not not happening manually, not copying things from one machine to another. And then if you do this CI/CD things and people merge more often, they get this human interaction several times a day. And at some point in time, the people approving things or who want to approve things like I don't check anything. It's working all the time. I have to click this button three times a day. Can we get rid of this button? Yes. That's what I proposed in the beginning. But now that you want it also, we can do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good approach. I think we've done something very similar along those lines and quite happy to where we got now. Um, When you start rolling and out to your whole organization, of course, you're adding another layer of complexity because every repository is different. The one we started on was just a simple Next.js app that we deploy onto Vercel, and I think a bunch of complexity came in with these ASTEM upgrades was when we had Progen projects where it seems to modify other files. I haven't really looked into that. I was just impressed when I ran the numbers and saw how many thousands of pull requests we already merged, fully automated.
0: Yeah, I think that's a scale where you can really be confident that your process works. If you have hundreds of repositories and thousands of pull requests that are merged, it's like yeah, it's not a it's not an idea or a vision. It's really running and working. Yes. So that's really a cool thing. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to um, you want to mention for this dependency management? I think it's it's a really interesting area. And if you automate it, there's a way higher chance that you're doing it. Because if you need to do it manually, you do it sometimes. It's, it's like keeping your machine up to date. How often do you run Brew update? sometimes, because you need to do it manually.
1: <laughs> yes, I remember a couple of my hobby projects that sit out there and haven't been touched for six years. And now that I worked on that a bit at Steady and I see how things going, I have a lot of confidence that I can apply this to my upcoming hobby projects as well. Where you can say, I plug in this small configuration, it's about five lines of code, so that I get renovate upgrades. And then it's another 10 lines of code to get mergeify upgrades. And suddenly your repository has a good default um, dependency automation and you can tweak things as you evolve.
0: Yeah, that sounds really perfect. And I would really love to see to have these features inside Progen. And it's an open source project. So go ahead. (laughs) That
1: would be nice.
0: Maybe. (laughs) So others can participate from this. Yeah, this has been really great. Um, Where can people find out more about you online?
1: Um, I would say mostly on Twitter, um, at bardev B-A-H-R-D-E-V. And if you want to follow what's going on with Steady, you can follow at Steady on Twitter.
0: Yeah, that sounds perfect. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, folks. That's it for today. I'm Thorsten Höger, and I hope you join me again next time for Cloud Automation Weekly.